the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. I'm sitting down right now. So it turns out that uh, I did not set up the Facebook feed like I thought I did. And so, rather than pretend that everything is going just fine, everything is going off without a hitch, let's just be together in our humanness. Let's join together in prayer. Tender, loving God, you must be so patient with us. Again and again, we don't understand what you are doing in the world. We put our energy into making ourselves look good. We spend time worrying whether the technology will work. But all you've asked us to do is to love you and to love our neighbors. And so through through the words of Scripture, through the meditations of all of our hearts, pour out your love in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, how are you? This week, the third week that many Americans are self-quarantined, I saw lots of folks checking in with each other on social media, asking, how are you emotionally, mentally, physically? I saw a really great photo uh, that I'll share later about uh, asking which Kitty in isolation you are. It was a panel of nine cats, some of whom were, you know, fat and happy, some of whom were snuggling up, some of whom were just a little bit grumpy. But better yet, a friend asked, on a scale of hedgehog cake, how are you feeling. I'm going to try to share this over Zoom just so that folks can get a sense of, wow, which hedgehog cake am I? For those who can't see, each of these nine cakes is a terrifying vision of eyes and teeth and spines I'm sure that the original inspiration for this cake was uh, cute and cuddly, but 
Oh my goodness, these are, these are ghastly. They illustrate the sarcastic phrase, nailed it. Say you attempt to replicate something, you know, cute or creative that you saw on Pinterest, but you wind up missing the mark quite a bit. You can still laugh at yourself and say, nailed it, because after all, your cake is still edible. And for those of you on Zoom who are wondering, I was number nine this week. All right. Here's why the hedgehog cake scale is brilliant. None of them are good, which means that we are all on the same page, in the same boat, on the same team, riding the same struggle bus. This week, my mentor expressed a feeling that's been on the tip of my tongue. There are no good days. Kara writes, we used to measure our days by how much we got accomplished. Did we get a lot of work done? Do we have a lot to show for our time? By that measure right now, every day is a bad day for many of us. So we have shifted all the pressure of judging our days onto our emotions. A bad day means that we had hard feelings to live with. Sadness, anxiety, fear, anger. And by this measure, a good day is when we feel the easier feelings to live with. Feelings like happiness or gratitude or peace. But every day is hard in some way. While some of our needs, like shelter or food or reading materials, might be getting met, other needs like connection, play, freedom, hope, those needs are going unfulfilled. None of us has it together. The more we insist on making things perfect, the more frustrated or depressed we're liable to be. And so, of all of the versions of Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem for the Passover festival, I think Matthew's is the one we need. All four Gospels tell the same basic story. The crowds cry, Hosanna, save us. They shout blessings, echoing the Psalms. And instead of a mighty war hero entering on a stallion, Jesus the Messiah chooses a donkey for a steed. But here's where Matthew shows his hand. All over his gospel account, Jesus is fulfilling prophecy. That is, his words and actions embody the scriptures of Israel in a unique way. Like John, Matthew hears echoes of the prophet Zechariah in this story. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Sing aloud, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king will come to you. He is righteous and victorious. He is humble and riding on an ass, on a colt, the offspring of a donkey. But Matthew insists that when Jesus fulfills prophecy, he does so literally. 
And because Matthew is a stickler for details, we get an outrageous image. Jesus straddling both a donkey and a colt? Ah, way to go, Matthew. You nailed it. It's healthy to laugh at ourselves, and it's helpful to acknowledge that life is messy. But that acknowledgement doesn't necessarily make the mess any easier. And truthfully, truthfully, the mess is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. This week, the federal government extended the stay-at-home recommendations to April 30th, with no guarantees that it won't be extended again. According to the Centers for Disease Control, the number of COVID-19 cases has more than doubled in a week. The University of Washington projects that we have another two weeks until we hit the peak death rate. And while it's certainly true that most people recover, it's also true that every death is someone's son or daughter, someone's friend or grandparent. On the home front, the messiness of gathering virtually won't go away anytime soon. I think that we've seen that today. Maybe a handful of us are going to become Zoom experts, but most of us will never feel completely at home here, including me. Especially this upcoming week, we will yearn for the tangible intimacy of a Monday Thursday soup supper, sitting elbow to elbow. Our tongues will have to seek out their own bread and wine. Our ears will miss the surging chorus of 100 people singing, Jesus Christ is risen today. And that gradual movement of the universe from order to chaos, that movement called entropy, it will creep in. Our hair will grow more and more unruly. The laundry will pile up because who has the energy to fold clothes? We'll get sick of ordering out, even though we'll continue to support our local businesses as long as we're able. We'll get sick of cooking from our pantry. We'll grieve the vacations that we had to cancel, the babies that we don't get to hold, the funerals that have to be postponed. Wading into the midst of our mess, here comes Jesus, riding on a donkey or a colt or however we need him to enter our lives. Unlike Matthew, Jesus doesn't insist that things be neat and tidy. Jesus knows he is heading into a tinderbox and that sparks are going to fly. More than that, at the end of this week, waits a rest in a garden a death sentence, and an execution on a Roman cross. The crowds shouting, Hosanna, save us. Don't expect that he will save them by going through the worst that human beings can do to one another. For them and for us, salvation means fixing. We've had enough bad days, Jesus. 
Give us a good day. Fix this. Make this easy. But easy is not why the word became flesh. God loved this world so much that this love consented to be born a hungry child, to grow in awkward adolescence, to walk our pathways and suffer our same pain. Love isn't easy. Ask anyone who has loved another person and they will tell you the truth. Love is difficult. Love is challenging. Worthwhile. Absolutely. Easy? Not even close. A hedgehog cake would be a simpler task. Jesus isn't the Savior that we want. He is the Savior that we need. He is not a knight in shining armor. He is the creator of the world who has humbled himself to be as poor and tired a creature as the donkey he is riding. He doesn't insist that we get all our beliefs and intentions straight. He goes to the cross for us, all of us, whether we know it or not, whether we can believe it or not. Nailed to our strongest no, Jesus is God's yes to mercy, reconciliation, and love. Jesus doesn't need us to be perfect. He needs for us to be human, imperfect and vulnerable, open to being saved, open to love. A friend shared this story of imperfection with me. If you've heard of the TV show Chopped, then you know that four chefs compete with mystery ingredients to see who can create the best dishes. The episode that my friend saw had a twist. Instead of chefs aspiring for a restaurant deal, these were school chefs. You know, the folks that you used to call lunch ladies. These four women spent their days cooking for thousands of kids, breakfast and lunch, with only $2.68 per lunch. In this episode, the main course mystery ingredient was quinoa, that South American grain that your mom once called quinoa. One of the chefs, Cheryl Barbara, made this delicious pasta with Italian sausage, kale, Parmesan cheese, except she threw the quinoa uncooked into the dish at the very end, giving it an odd crunch. When a judge asked Cheryl why she did that, here's what she said. Well, first... I don't know what quinoa is, but I do know that it's a Monday and that in my school, I always cook pasta. Cheryl explained that for many of her students, there were no meals on the weekends, no meals on Saturday, no meals on Sunday. By the time Monday comes, my kids' hunger pains are so intense that they can't even begin to think about learning. That's why on Monday, she prepares pasta 
to make sure that her students eat something that sticks to their ribs, something to fill them up. Would that dish have been better with cooked quinoa? Probably. But Cheryl Barbara wasn't focused on getting quinoa right. Her focus was on getting connection right, nourishing the children who came through her cafeteria. So what about us? What will our focus be? This Lent, we've been lingering in loving our neighbors. Love God and love neighbor. If you do this, Jesus says, then you will live. Truly live. Who would have thought that we'd practice neighbor love by staying home, by washing our hands, by sewing face masks, or ordering takeout? Who would have thought that we'd need to learn new ways of coming together as neighbors? Who would have thought that love looks like an empty sanctuary? This week is not the end of pandemic precautions, but it is the end of Lent. These days are called Holy Week because the love of God is on full display. And so I invite you, yes, each of you, to receive this love just as you are, imperfect, vulnerable, fully human. Receive this love on Thursday when we gather over Zoom, a platform that most of us didn't know existed a month ago. Log on or call in to share a meal together to hear the story of how Jesus knelt at the feet of his friends. Come, dine at the table of the Lord with us. Receive this love on Friday when we retell the story of Jesus' last hours, marked by betrayal, torture, death, and grief. Let yourself feel sadness and anger, just as Jesus did. Receive this love on Sunday. Our Easter celebrations this year will look more like that first day of resurrection a quiet morning, an empty tomb, embraced in our grief and messiness by a love stronger than death. Friends, receive the love of the Savior who comes to us just as we are, with open arms and an open heart. Jesus is with us, offering us grace upon grace. For such grace, let us give all gratitude and all glory to God, from whom every family under heaven takes its name, who has pitched a tent alongside us, who sends us to the ends of the earth. Amen.